so a little bit of background of why I'm here right now. In the summer of 2008, I was imam in a small town in Northern California called Chico. Uh, while I was there, uh, uh, somebody uh, passed out in a city hall meeting. And uh, there was a convert brother by the name of Jacques. He said, I read the article about that person who passed out. And the article reported that they were pale and unresponsive. And Jacques remarked, that could describe everyone in this town. Anyway, <laughs> it, was, it was out in the middle of nowhere. It was, it was not close to any city or whatever. Uh, and so uh, their habit was to read Salat al-Taraweeh, eight raka'ahs, reading out of the Mus'haf. And Movi Saab's like, that's not happening this year. So I called, I, I called around, was looking for where I could find a hafiz. Usually in those days, they would call people from England, uh, 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 and several very joker-like individuals uh, have made the rounds, uh, several pious ones as well. Uh, and someone told me, you know, there's madaris in Toronto that have hafaz that are, that are willing to go. So here's a number call, someone called Mufti Adam Koya. I have no idea who it is, so I call him up. And I said, we need a hafiz, is it too late still? He's like, we'll see, we'll think about it. I said, but I have one shart, I don't want, I don't want the kids that are going to come play video games and watch movies. I said, if, if, if that's what you're going to send me, I'd rather just, you know, read short surahs myself and just do the taraweeh like that. If you have some kids who, like, you know, want to have a very spiritual Ramadan, and, uh, 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 you know, if they want, I'll teach them whatever few books I read myself. Uh, uh, they want to learn something, then, you know, send us. They're like, okay, we'll look for some kids like that. So Mufti Saab and, and uh, Qari uh, Mahmoud, Yarhamuhullah uh, Tabarak wa Ta'ala, they sent their own sons, mashallah. I found that out after like a couple, like a, out of, after a week of you guys being there, that, okay, mashallah. So that gives you an idea of, mashallah, uh, what kind of people, what kind of people uh, Mufti Saab is and what kind of person uh, uh, Qari, Saab, Qari Saab was. Allah Ta'ala, uh, forgive him his sins and give him a high, high rank. Uh, so... I was hard on them. I noticed, mashallah, Mufti Saab is like really nice to you. He actually refers to you as Mufti Saab, uh, which I find amazing, mashallah. Uh, so I feel like almost a responsibility for giving you the islah that, 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 that's being displaced by the like, extreme love your father has for you. You should appreciate the fact that he's a really nice person, mashallah, which is the impression I got when I first met him as well. And so uh, 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 um, the book that we decided to read was the Manzuma Bayquuniya, which he's probably, whoever's taken that class with, with him, he's probably made you memorize like I made them memorize. And uh, uh, that's the Madkhal to the study of Hadith. Then later, years later, I found out that he went to Saharanpur and, and, and did Takhasus uh, Hadith with Sheikh Yunus. And I said, this man is the walking tafsir of the, the saying of the Arabs, Samin kalbaka ya'kuluk. That you, if you feed your dog too much, make him too fat, one day he might eat you. 
So, alhamdulillah, mashallah, now I have to ask him questions about, about ahadith and takhrij uh, uh, and, uh, and, and what the hukum is about ahadith because really I don't know all that much. Uh, but this is the barakah of, of what? This is the barakah of making amal and acting on what you know. It opens doors for things that weren't possible for you from before. And so I don't know all that much I can talk about. MashaAllah, our Mufti Saab and our elder, uh, elder mashayikh and ulama, they are a, a treasure Allah Ta'ala has preserved for us because they're the ones who met those mashayikh we couldn't have met. There's so many mashayikh we didn't met. Mawlana Masihullah Khan Saab, rahimullah ta'ala, uh, who was uh, described by everyone who met him as a madir dad wali, a person whose wilaya started from, from, from the day he was born. Uh, an unusual person. There are very few people in the ummah like that, but there are people in the ummah like that. You probably won't find them in the mall, though. Uh, um, the, you know, Hazrat Shaykh Mawlana Zakaria, rahimahullah, all these elders and things like that, uh, they met them and we didn't meet them. So our elders that are with us right now, they preserve, they preserve the barakat of, of that. And this is one of the interesting things. Like I teach, I teach classes on tasawwuf, not like pay me $50 and I'll like, you know, uh, cure your black magic type of tasawwuf, but like the purification of the heart type. Uh, and from a very academic point of view, you know, people will be surprised. It's just the same thing. I taught them something very little, and then later on they realized, wow, this guy is much more corrupt than I am. But the, the ilm is an amana, right? Don't ever, don't ever think that, oh, I can't say this because I haven't done it myself. Hazrat Hanri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that, that you should preach to the people about the thing that you're weakest in. Because if you have a, 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 a proper heart inside of your chest, one day, after saying it again and, and again, your own shame will cause you to rectify yourself. Um, so, you know, the tasawwuf has a, an influence on things. That's my, my, my theory. It has influence on ilm in a way that people don't want to admit. So, there's this discussion in hadith about who's a sahabi. So, there were prominent muhaddithin who had the opinion that it's not just someone, someone who was a Muslim at the time of the Prophet and, and saw him and whatever. But that person has to have spent some decent amount of time with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that's not the opinion that the, that that the ummah has accepted over the passage of the centuries. And my my feeling is, or my thoughts about that, which may be wrong, uh, are that this is actually the influence of the sawaf on hadith. Why? Because your nazar, your gaze, is like a, a portal to the heart. When you look at someone or you look at something, what's inside of your heart will like touch that person. And when you see someone, what that person's spiritual state is, it will be drank into your heart as well. It has in that, that ishrab, it's not that they actually melted the statue and drank it, literally. Nor is it from hearing it, it's from what? It's from seeing it. And this is something, this is a concept that's there again and again in, uh, uh, amongst the Sufiya Kiram. And it's borne out by the hadith of the Prophet Right? There are some armies that will be given victory because amongst them there is a prophet of Allah Ta'ala. And there's some armies that will be given victory because amongst them there's someone who met a prophet of Allah Ta'ala. And there's some armies that will be given victory because amongst them is someone who met someone who met a, a Nabi of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So, going with that, with that concept, right? Going with that concept, 
on one side, you can understand why everybody looking at pornography is a bad thing. What's the greatest deed someone in this ummah could have, uh, greatest maqam someone in this ummah could have attained? So the suhbah of the Prophet You don't have to fast, pray, anything. It's what? All it is is you, are, you have iman in your heart and either you see Rasulullah or he sees you. Right? Abdullah ibn, ibn Ummi Maktum radiallahu anhu, he was blind so he couldn't see Rasulullah and so the Azwaj Mutahharat, he entered the room and they didn't cover themselves. Rasulullah says, what's wrong? How come you're not covering yourselves? He said, he's blind. He said, are you too blind also that you don't see him? So what? Seeing Rasulullah being seen by Rasulullah that's what your eyes were made for. That's in one instant you do what? Uh, you know, a hundred years of nawafil and fasting and sadaqah is not going to do for you. That's on the good side. On the bad side, if you're looking at the haram, that's not what you were made for, that's not what your eyes were made for, that's not what your heart was made for. It's like taking the ithar bottle and filling chutney in it, you know? Even if you put ithar in it afterward, what's going to happen? You have to wash it like with chlorine or whatever, right? Otherwise, you're, you're going to put on, you think you're putting on like whatever oud or whatever mukhallat jannatul firdos or whatever weird... Someone once brought a bottle of Sahiratul Arab. That's, that's what the name of the Itar was called. I'm like, I don't think, I don't know if I want to put that on. That doesn't sound like something I want to put on. But, uh, 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 you know, uh, what is it? You're, it's not what it's for. You're, you're ruining something that's really useful. Unless the person says, Stafala, why is this crazy Mulana Saab from America talking about pornography? Mufti Saab sitting right there. Look, what is the definition of pornography? Is it the definition that the, uh, whatever t- the Canadian government gives for broadcast standards? Or is it the, the definition that Allah and His Rasul Wasallam give? Looking at the aura of a man for a man, looking at the aura of a woman for a man, if you just, you're sitting at home and watching YouTube video and you see a woman with her head uncovered, that's you already crossed the line with Allah and His Rasul Afterward, it's a quantitative difference. It's not a qualitative difference. Once you cross that line, the rest of it, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like you, know, uh, you know, ordering 12 or 13 of something. It's not really that big of a difference, really. Your eyes weren't made for those things. Your ears weren't made for those things. They were made for something else. And so my eyes weren't able to see those people. I wasn't able to meet those people. Our elders were able to. You might get into a fight with them. They may be harsh with you in class. They may be unfair with you in class. They may, uh, you, know, uh, you know, do something to make your life very difficult. You may say something and they don't understand what you're saying and so they yell at you or whatever. These things happen. They always happen. But Allah made a decision before He created the heavens and the earth that they're the ones who are going to meet, meet our elders and our mashayikh and you're not you're going to meet them. That's all you have. If you cut that ta'aluq, then you're not cutting it with them. You're cutting with who? The Sahaba and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, obviously you shouldn't go extreme with it. I mean, imagine, you know, someone, someone sees their shaykh doing something haram or something in Qur'an khasta happens that really justifies cutting off from that one individual. Then you have to go to somebody else who is of that tabaqa, you can't do this freestyle. You can't do this on your own. It's not like skateboarding or ice skating or something like that. You can't do freestyle. 
if you don't have any connection to them, it's like putting the out electrical outlet with the wall, but there's no, you're not connected to the, to the power plant. There's no, there's nothing coming out of it. You're just a faker. Uh, it's like you know they have, they have snakes that are extremely poisonous, extremely poisonous, and then there are other snakes that look like the poisonous snakes, but if they bite you, nothing will happen. You're just going to be a faker until you connect yourself with your mashaykh and with your elders. And from what we've learned from our mashaykh and elders, and I'll be very honest with you, I'll be blunt with you, as many people have said that I often am. I think, personally, I'm a very tactful person, but other people have said that I'm blunt. So uh, uh, there are people who are sitting in universities right now studying the deen. And objectively, I can tell you, they don't know Arabic, they don't know fiqh, they don't really know anything what they're talking about. They just write, they write well. And this is one problem in the madars, people need to learn how to write properly. Not just in Arabic, also in the local language as well, in English. And you see that in the past, every place where the Muslims went, wherever they, they, they made themselves part of the culture, always the greatest literary figures are, are all ulama or Sufis, that's it. They're always people of deen. They master the language of wherever they go. We, we, have to, we have to up our game, not just in speaking. Everyone likes giving bayan. Even our bayans are horrible. Uh, you know, even people born and raised here, they give ban with the most atrocious English, you know, this is the more superiorist to that, and this, you hear these things, you're like, where is this guy from, right? Uh, uh, but writing is more important than, than speaking even, because you give one ban, how many people are going to listen to one ban? 10, 20, 50, 100, 500, 1,000, 5,000. I, you know, I put articles online, after a couple of years, 10,000, 20,000 people will, will have, have, have looked over the article. You just can't compete. Writing will just get to a, a greater audience. And writing is wonderful because when you write, it's not like speaking. Spe speech is ephemeral. It, it comes and goes. It's temporary. So a person can't scrutinize it as much as they can with writing. Writing is all there, right in front of you. You can read it again and again and again. The person's thoughts are like uh, naked in front of you. You can scrutinize them to a, uh, to a degree that makes that person's ficker very vulnerable, right? So you have to be very careful what words you choose, what references you give. But the wonderful thing is that when you write, that's how you can tell the difference between the person who knows what they're talking about and the person who doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, and so there are many people in universities, coming back to the point that I was making, that don't really know anything. I mean, I know professors of professors of the Arabic language in university, tenured professors, that are people who say like khafa yakhufu, like type nonsense, like really incompetent people. Um, and I was embarrassed actually when I went to Madrasa in Pakistan. Uh, the Mauritanians, I guess, just wrote me off from the beginning and humored me. In Pakistan, they expected me to know Arabic. So I was embarrassed the level of like horrificness. I learned Arabic at the university. I took three years of Arabic at the university. It sounds very... Uh, impressive, but really it's, it's depressing how incompetent it was, uh, the, the level of teaching. And, uh, uh, you know, like the weird things like, oh, the fil amr sama'i, there's no, there's no rule to it and all this other. You know, when you get called out by like a, a baton from the village, like in like Thalitha, as a Dora student, you know, it, it lets you know like what the standard, the difference in the standard of teaching is, right? So, uh, there are people sitting in universities they write better, they in general write better, although, you know, there are still madrasa people who write well, and that's something that can be fixed very easy, that's not one of the ulum of wahid. But they don't know what they're talking about. They'll get jobs that pay better than your jobs on average, and in fact, our 
community will give them more authority with regards to deen than they will give to you as madrasa teachers or madrasa graduates. However, despite all of that, despite all of that, and this is no exaggeration, I consider this to be superior to that, not in a way that's even comparable. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّثْهُ فِي الدِّينِ Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes good for, He gives them understanding of the deen. So even if you get paid more, even if you're a doctor, professor, you have a good job, you get respected by some people or every, everybody, doesn't matter. Whoever Allah wishes good for, He didn't say He's going to give them money, He didn't say He's going to give them status and honor. In fact, it's the flip side around, right? What is the hadith? The hadith, Ashadun nasi bala'an al-anbiya'u thumma al-amthalu fal-amthalu. There's another narration. Ashadun uh, nasi bala'an al-anbiya'u and I feel like this narration is like a tafsir of the other one because the ulama are the amthal and then after them is the salihin and that's worth more than anything in this world I remember in, 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 in Lahore in Madrasa one time uh, our Ustaji Mawana Hassan Saab he said in Bayan he said that if you, if you get a job sweeping the floor or cleaning the bathroom in a masjid that is better than being the chief of police or, or like some high-level functionary, you know, in the government. He says, if you get a job being the imam or the khatib in a masjid, he says, it's better than being a president or prime minister of a country. And he said, if you get a job as a mudaris in the madrasa, and he paused, he said, I find no mithal that, that I can make analogy to it in this dunya. And, uh, you know, some people don't believe that, and that's why they'll never come. Some people believe that right now and something will happen to them in their life later on and they'll be like, oh man, all these movies fed me all this bakwas and now I have to pay my bills so I'm going to go join real life and whatever. But brothers and sisters, this is such a ship. Uh, uh, the, the, the blessed ones and the happy ones, they're not the ones who look for the life jacket. They're the ones who dream about sinking in that ocean. So if that's the choice Allah Ta'ala made for you, then this is like a great bishara for you. Uh, this is, to the, to the end, this is what we want to do. So the fact of the matter is not all of you will become masjid imams. Not all of you will become teachers in madaris. Not all of you will become, uh, you know, uh, whatever, teachers in Islamic schools. Maybe somebody will get a degree as an engineer or become a doctor or, you know, work, run a business or whatever, all of those things. Whatever you do in order to pay your rent, that's something different. Everyone has to do that. Just because, you know, you're, you read the Hidayah and like, you know, graduated with, uh, you know, a Sanad and, and the Sihasit, that doesn't mean you don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. Everyone has to make a living. There's certain qadaya of this dunya, everyone has to fulfill them. But remember always, there's a difference between your job and your work. If you have to make coffee at Tim Hortons in order to pay your, pay your rent, or you have to drive a taxi in order to pay your rent, there's no shame in that. You're doing something, if you're doing something halal, there's no shame in that. I, mean, I guess Tim Hortons, maybe they serve pork or whatever. But, you know, if it's like the halal Tim Hortons, right? Right next to whatever, Abu Bakr Masjid, and so they get turkey bacon instead. There's no shame in that. There's no shame. You know, with Desi culture, you know, we kind of, the caste system is a thing that, like, kind of visits us again and again. I, though I love the uh, Patan, one of the parts of Patan culture and Mexican culture is the same thing in both of them. They don't have, they don't have a, neither of them, they don't have a, 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 a concept of an important job or an unimportant job. It's just if you have, if you're working, it's honorable. If you're not working, then you're a bum.
right? So whatever, whatever, you're, whatever you're doing, whatever job you do in your life, that's fine. That's okay. Even if you're not imam in the masjid or whatever, that's okay. But that's your job. What is your work? The service of the ummah of the Prophet The service of the deen of Islam. That's your life's work. Your job can be whatever. You have a side hustle in order to pay your bills. But what is your life's work? The service of the deen of Islam and the service of the ummah of the Prophet And out of, out of that, which is a general category, there's a, very specific, there's a very specific role that you have to play. You know? The hospital, if it doesn't have janitors, it's, people will die of infections and things like that. They're important as well. Without them, the hospital won't run. But who's the most important person in the hospital? It's like the doctor, the surgeon, right? Because, without, because those are the hardest people to find to do the job with the, the skill. And they have a shut-up that's intuitively understood by people. We don't have to explain why. It's not like a mantik dars or whatever, right? So just like that, who are the warathatul anbiya? Are they the shuhada? Are they the mujahidun fi sabilillah? Are they the people who give, give zakat and sadaqah? Who are they? All of those people have a very high maqam and an important role to play. The dhakirin, musallin, they all have a very important role to play. Parents that raise up righteous children, they all have a very important role to play. But who are the warathatul anbiya? Inna al-ulama warathatul anbiya'i. Right? You got hips class kids, right? You guys haven't learned Arabic yet, have you? You know Arabic? You know, Assalamu alaikum, right? You know Arabic? Look at this. I, I, like, I, like, I like his, uh, you know, he has like ambition and he has confidence. I just hope you learned something. Inshallah, if you learn something, then inshallah. <laughs> but the, 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 the idea is what? Right? The, the, ulama, the ulama are the heirs of the prophets. Heir means what? When someone dies, who gets your stuff? It's your, your heirs. Your heirs are the people who are closest to you, your closest relatives. Like a father, his son takes his things in afterward, right? Al ulama uwarthatul anbiya. And then the, and the anbiya, but they didn't leave behind gold and silver. What did they leave behind? Rasulullah said they left behind nothing, nothing except for ilm, except for knowledge. Uh, and whoever takes it, that person has taken a great portion. Now tell me, out of all of the people, we have, mashallah, takhassus fil hadith with Shaykh Yunus, and we have uh, Bukhari and Muslim and Hidayah and all of these advanced books. Which of the asatiza in this madrasa get the most sawab? Tell me. Who, who wants to venture a guess? Raise your hand. Or if it's a sister, you can just blurt it out from the other side of the farda. Go ahead. Quran? Okay, which one? The one, the, your hips teacher? Yeah. Any other theories? Qaeda. Who? Qaeda teacher. Your maktab teacher who teaches you alif ba ta ta. Why? Right. Without learning alif ba ta ta, there's no way in heck you're going to read Bukhari. So every single kitab you read after that, your maktab teacher is like cashing in the check, the sawab check. In fact, I won't even say he's cashing the sawab check. He's like robbing the sawab liquor store. <laughs> he's robbing the sawab bank. Because he's not even doing anything anymore. Do you understand? He's not even doing anything anymore. And he, that's the beautiful part. 
I taught this guy uh, uh, Manzuma Bechunia. I didn't even do a very good job at it. I just gave him the book and said, hey, memorize it. Okay? He's the one who went, like, to India and, like, whatever. His stomach was upset probably for several years and, like, you know, got chewed out by Sheikh Yunus and, like, you know, all of these things. And he had to read books and make mutala. And now he's talking to everybody about the musannif of this and that and, like, you know, the takhrij and blah, blah. I don't even know what any of those words mean, right? He's, like, talking shop about these things and writing papers and this and that and teaching, teaching you guys. Now, you guys even know more than I do, honestly, Right? I'll tell you a little secret. I never memorized the entire Manzuma Bechuni. I just memorized lines here and there. And I fake it in front of the students in order for them to think I memorized it so that they'll memorize it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, like a, I'm, I'm a weak person. Like I'm like a, like a Buddha who put on armor and went into battle. So the other army thinks, oh, look how powerful the army is. But like really, if you just come and like hit swords with me, I would have fallen over. That's, by the way, that's not a, that's, that's like smart. That's not, that's, I pat myself on the back for that because look at what the result is. A, and B, who did that before me? You know that when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, when he sent the army of Osama bin Zayd to go and fight the Romans, Medina was completely like defenseless. That's exactly what they did. They told the old men, uh, like the, the people who were too old to go and fight. Like they were exempted from military service because they were too old. Otherwise the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, they would, not miss a chance to go on jihad fi sabilillah on the positive side because of the reward and the negative side because everybody knew that the only one who sat out was a munafiq, right? And it looks bad as well. The old men who were exempted from going out, those people, they would do what? They were told to put on armor and stand guard at the gates, at the, at the gates of, uh, of, of the city. Why? So that the Bedouins, Bedouins, a lot of them, uh, you know, even till this day, they're brigands. They're just thieves. They just wait for someone that, to jack because there's nobody to help you in the desert, right? So that the Bedouins didn't know that Medina is defenseless. From a distance, it looks like there's someone guarding. This. There's no one, there was no one guarding the city except for Allah Ta'ala. That's it. There was nobody guarding the city. Even Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, despite being Khalifa, he used to put in a shift. And be, despite being an old man, he used to put in a shift standing guard with, with armor. That's how few people were left there. So I pat myself on the back, mashallah. Good Hamza. Why? Because that's what, what you need to do. You need to be, if you, the person who can do something is amazing. The person who can't do something, the best they can do is to try to help someone who can. If you're not a good leader, don't try to be a leader. Don't, if you don't know Tajweed, don't try to be the Imam. If you don't know Ilm, don't try to teach something. This is like a part of the, uh, the calamity of the Ummah. We have all these fakers who are trying to like, you know, displace the, the real people. So you have like a lineup, you know, like they do, do the prison lineups. You know, do you recognize the person who robbed you or whatever? So there's the jackal and the hyena and the, the, the fox and the lion. And all of them are saying, you know, I'm king. And you can't, the am public can't tell who's who. Right? If you can't actually be, if you can't actually be a, a person of service, what can you do? You can help someone of service. That's one of the brilliant things about the Madaris in the Indian subcontinent. Because I studied in the East and the West. I saw the Mahasana of both systems. They're very different. And there's a lot of khair in both of them. A lot of khair in both of them. But one of the beautiful things about the Madrasa system, you can have some students that are really, really not the most intelligent people in the world. But by the Barakah sitting with the Mashaikh for so long, the Mashaikh telling them, this is your life's work. This is something, even if you have to do something else in order to make money or whatever, this is what, what your project that you're, uh, you're doing. I've seen people graduate, they give them sanad. I don't, it's like a, a crime they give some of those people a sanad. They don't even know how to read Ibarat properly. 
But that person, if all they know is Alif Ba Ta Tha, they'll put on the turban and their Dastar Bandi, once it gets on their head, they know Ustadji uh, told me I have to carry on his work. And they'll sit and teach Alif Ba Ta Tha till the day they die. And they will not leave their post. They will not run from their post. Now, between the students of knowledge, those people are not ulama. However, some of those people, despite their lack of intelligence and learning, will achieve the rank of the ulama in a way that many of the smart people won't. Why? Because they did something with it. If you have a, a field of 50 acres and you don't plant it, then when everyone else is harvesting, you'll come up empty-handed. If you only have like a backyard, but you planted a couple of things, at least you'll have something. Don't waste this opportunity to, to study, to learn. This is another, in my opinion, Allahu Alam, this is, in my opinion, this is a tahrif of the age we live in, that the majority of the ummah has put amal over, over ilm. They say, oh, your ilm is worthless if you don't make amal on it. I don't think that, with all due respect, I don't see that as true. The ilm is a sifa from the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. In the books of Kalam, this is like one of the first mabahith is like, what is the definition of ilm, you know? So they first start with the mantiqi definition. That definition cannot be true for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because tasawwur and all this other stuff, it, it doesn't work. So the, the, the actual definition of ilm, and this is where aqidah turns kind of Sufi a little bit, you know? The definition of ilm is it's one of the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and its reflection and its shadow hits some parts of the creation. This ilm is a life of its own. Even you'll read so many abwab of the hidayah of who's going to ever go hunting for their food. Who's ever, and if you hunt, you're probably going to use a gun, you probably won't. That's khair, another masla. I don't want to get into your muftis can deal with that, right? But like, you know, you're probably not going to, you know, go with a bow and arrow. You're definitely not going to train a, who here has ever trained a dog to hunt? Who plans on doing it at some point in their life? Right? Okay, mashallah, cool. That sounds fun. Let me know how it turns out. Um, you know, uh, who, who here is like going to like, you know, read Messiah, like buy cloth from a bolt that the cloth in the beginning is different than the one in the middle and then the one in the end? Who here is going to gonna have to worry about whether the dirham they have in their pocket is chipped or not? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, who here is going to own slaves? Probably nobody. If you do weird, please don't email me afterward. Um, you know what I mean? You, it's just not going to happen. But are you saying that because there's no amal, the ilm has no value? Inna lillahi wa inna rajiun. The entire ilm has value. The ilm has a life of its own. The ilm, learning the ilm, even if you make amal on it. I'm not saying don't make amal or that amal is not a big deal, right? It's important. You have to do it. Otherwise, you're going to go to Jahannam and no one would like that, right? But still, still, even if you do make amal on your ilm, inshallah, you all make amal on your ilm, yomul qiyamah, you'll be surprised. Learning the knowledge and keeping the knowledge in your heart will give you more reward than the actual amal will. So all of a sudden, what you're doing in this like place above, what's the name of the, the building? Smiling Jacks. Smiling Jacks. <laughs> yeah. There's some jokes I'm going to make, but our elders are present, so I'm going to refrain at this time. But anyway, khair. What you're doing here above Smiling Jacks, and like above the weird like Polish deli that's probably majority of what they sell there is haram. All of a sudden seems more important than it did when you, you know, first thought about it. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, everyone should make dua from their heart, from the depth of their heart, that if they feel this importance of this ilm, that Ya Allah, we thank you for letting us be connected with it right now, and we pray that you, and with all due respect, Mufti Abra, I, I, I expected better from you than to say something like he finished his studies in such and such place. Who here plans on finishing their studies? It's not, it's not, you, we don't do that. The only reason we have this sanad and all of this other stuff is just so that, uh, you know, under the principle of the, in the line of the blind, the man with one eye is king. It's a political, it's a political uh, tool that our, our elders gave to us so that the juhal don't take over the masajid. So that someone who knows something will always have the upper hand over someone who knows nothing. Or worse yet, someone who knows nothing and thinks he knows something. However, between us, the secret, this is not the Jummah Khutbah, this is just between us. We know that, that, that we, we really, we, we know perilously and pathetically less than what we should. And, uh, uh, and this is something that we're, we're going to keep doing until the day, day that we die. We'll never finish, we'll never finish this, this thing, right? It's something, you, you know, I, I, where is uh, Ibrahim? I called my, uh, 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 I called my, my teacher in Haddamin's eldest son that I, I read from in the Emirates when I was like a couple of days before our Dastar Bandi in Madrasa, before our graduation. And I told him, I said, I go, I go, Sheikh, Inihuna, mashallah, you did hafla, and if you nihayat al dirasa, wa yu'tunaka al ijaza, fissiha sitta, wa sheikh, yani, yani, yarbatul imama, ala rasa al talib, wa bada dalaka, nas kulluhum, yani, yakuluna, yusamunaka molana, wa yadunaka bi molana. He said, ah, subhanallah, had a jameel, mashallah, khud al ijaza, wa khud al imama, wa khali molana fi Pakistan. He said, that's beautiful. Take the ijaza, right? Take the turban, but leave Mulana in Pakistan, right? Between us, what is it? Is it a joke? Is it, what is it? Is it a bad joke that's not funny? We know, we, Allah knows best, you know? Who, who has ijaza? The ijaza has it, because we talk about the, the influence of Sufism on, on, on ilm. The ijaza has an outward form. And this is in Tasawwuf as well. This is, I heard this from the Mashaykh themselves. The outward form, someone says something or writes something for you and you get the ijaza. The, the, the reality of it is what? It comes from Allah Ta'ala and He'll show the entire Ummah and he'll, sh- he'll show everybody who has his ijaz and who doesn't. The one person who is teaching Alif Ba Ta Tha and he, he, he doesn't do it like, oh man, I'm stuck mucked up teaching, you know, it's difficult, the kids, blah, blah, blah. No. Although you feel like that, that's something you can't help. But, you know, it's not the person who's saying that all the time. The person who has ijazah, if you have the tawfiq for the rest of your life till the day you die, that you never abandon your post, that that's that you never flee from the field of battle. Right? We're not soldiers. A soldier, if he runs from the battlefield, he's a coward. What are we? We're students of knowledge. We're 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 teachers of knowledge. We're students of knowledge. If you abandon your post, what's the what's the what's the punishment for fleeing from the field of battle? Allah Taala won't look at you in the yom qiyamah. You'll ask him for things. He's gonna just ignore you. The person who the person who taught Alif Ba Ta uh, 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 for the for his whole life did he engage in some level of ilm if not even the most basic level he engaged in some level of ilm and al umur bil khawatim he died as a alim that's Allah Taala gave him his ijaza and the person who mashallah knows how to you know use fancy words in Arabic and in English and can drop the names of this book and that book and whatever. Uh, 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 
those people, if they bounce and they spend all of their time seeking, uh, you know, money, or better yet, seeking riasa, that they still wear a turban and still have a beard and still hang out with the madrasa crowd and with the religious crowd, but they're just trying to, like, get a leg up on everybody and going after, uh, you know, uh, positions and prestige and whatever, that person abandoned their post. Right? That's all. It's a very simple prescription. It's not like super complicated. Uh, the person who runs from, from their position and abandons it and then gets disenchanted and does something else, uh, that person, that person, you know, like you can write all your ijazas in the world. If Allah Ta'ala didn't give you that ijazah, then what benefit is there in it? Uh, and so, to make a long story short, to wrap it up because it's gone on too long anyway, but, uh, um, you know, on the practical side, it's not easy. It's wonderful. We'll like takbir Allahu Akbar until we're blue in the face, and then we'll go out into the rest of the world. And it's hard, you know. You still have to pay your rent. You still have to get married. You still have to all of these things. And uh, uh, the the issue is that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The you know the two sides of the coin is that yes, it's a sunnah to smile to other people, but inside of his heart, he was described as mutawasilul ahzan. You'd go from one grief to another. And to do both at the same time is utterly remarkable. And if you want to be like Rasulullah you're going to be a you know ashadun nasi balaan, and you're going to take your share as much as you're like him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That's how much of a share that you'll take of the, this huzn and brokenheartedness that ilm carries with it. The brothers, the sisters, the elders, the youngers. You know, you guys are like you know doing like whatever the seventeenth para while some other kid is sitting at home playing PlayStation. I'm not gonna lie to you. You guys probably know that it's not easy. You know, Qari Sab yells at you for not like whatever. Sometimes you prepare your sabak and you prepared it right, and just for whatever reason you can't read it when the ustad comes. You know, and you get yelled at, and you know, it's hard. It's not, and that's just the beginning. It gets harder. The further you go, the harder it is, right? So. What's my prescription? If you can be like a, a you know, you, the model of like Sufic heroism and like just trudge on, good for you, make dua for me, for people like me who it's difficult for, right? If you need to take a break from things, if you need to ease up, if you need to whatever, that's fine. Go to the halal HMA place, eat a burger, take the evening off, but be karar la farrar. Why? Everything will be judged as according to where, where it ends, how it ends. If you have to take a break from all of this, like, mashallah, carrying the burden of, like, prophetic knowledge and all this stuff, it's not easy, right? Go ahead, take a break, but never have the intention that I'm going to leave this thing. Whatever happens in life, even if you leave madrasa in the middle for 10 years and 20 years, always have the niyyah inside of your heart, I'm going to come back one day. And don't ever be ashamed to come back. Even if your teachers yell at you and scold you and beat you, who cares if your teacher is yelling at you? Allah is happy with you. Never have the intention of abandoning this thing. This is it. It's, it's, it's blood in, blood out. That's like, like how gang members do. But they're doing haram stuff like selling drugs and things like that, right? It's what? Blood in, blood out. You come in, you come in wearing the white cloth of your turban and you leave wearing the white cloth of your coffin. That's it. There's no, once you're in, you can't, you don't leave this thing. That thought, just leave, get it out of your mind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. That, that's so, so much tawfiq, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much tawfiq that is. If a person, Allah ta'ala lets them die on this path, 
This is, this is more than love. It's more than money. This is like Yom Al-Qiyamah. Entire nations of the earth will, will have hasad of you for, because of how much this is. And everyone is going to die. Everyone is going to die. The prime minister of the country like, goes on like, a vacation on a private island on a yacht with Aga Khan or whatever, right? Those people have nothing compared to what this is. Wallahi, if you don't believe that, like, maybe you haven't been paying attention. Everyone is going to die. I'm not threatening them. Inshallah, they all have long life, mashallah, right? <laughs> but they even if you live 200 years, you're going to die eventually, right? Everyone is going to die. And that day, Madrasa will have looked like a very attractive pr- pr- proposition and a good idea. Intelligent people are the ones who think about tomorrow, not just what's happening right now. Allah Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala rasulih Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi sahbihi ajma'ah. اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا وشفينا حبيبنا مولانا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله وليك وجمل كله على نيته وسر كله اللهم لك الحمد حمدا حتى ترضى ولك الحمد حمدا بعد ما رضيت ربنا أتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا ذاب النار اللهم إنا بالعلم وزيننا بالحمر وكرمنا بالتقوى جملنا بالعافية اللهم اغننا بالعلم وزيننا بالحمر وكرمنا بالتقوى جملنا بالعافية ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميل لما تولنا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم صل الله تعالى على خيرك وكبارك وسلم برحمتك يا رب Thank Mulana for coming, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. And uh, we plan on seeing Mulana again, inshallah, sometime mid January for a, a workshop, inshallah.